Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Steven. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Pablo, for that, uh, for being vulnerable and for sharing about the dark recesses of your pain. Uh, we are talking about forgiveness today, and um, I intend to do it in a way that presents you all with the possibility of coming to a final resolution today at the end of this hour. I am asking you all, and I am speaking in a way that is requesting you to forgive if you have something you need to forgive. Forgiveness can be a extremely complicated thing. The only way that I can describe the complexities of how I have gone through the process of forgiving uh, the, the people and, and situations that have caused severe trauma in my life uh, is I can describe it like a escape room, right? One of those escape rooms that you, you go to, except it's not fun at all and every room is a torture chamber. Uh, it's, it still cuts deep. Even today as I, I get in front of you and I, and I say that, the people that I have forgiven in my life who have caused me pain and trauma, uh, I've had an emotional roller coaster the past couple weeks preparing this speech because I'm still not fully over it in many ways. Forgiveness is not necessarily something that always has to be so definite, finite, and concrete. Forgiveness is very often a continual process that you may have to go through for the rest of your life. But forgiveness in its essence, as concrete as it gets, is a simple commitment not to recall to yourself the debt that others owe you. It's a simple commitment to continue to forgive, even as the raw emotions come back to haunt you or to disturb you or to make you feel worthless or unloved um, or to bother you. I believe personally that there is nothing that you cannot forgive. I don't know all of you extremely well. I know some of you quite well. I don't know all of you extremely well. So I want to be sensitive in saying that because I know that there are horrible, atrocious, disgusting, despicable things that have happened to some of you that should not have happened and that I have deep sorrow for you if they've happened. I want to um, help you get situated, though, and help your heart be prepared today towards beginning the process of forgiving those people who have caused you pain by just sharing a little bit about 
um, my past. And like I said, this can be so emotionally difficult. I had not even felt comfortable initially talking about these things, knowing that it would be recorded. And I know that today, your heart might be stirred to forgive someone. Your heart might be convicted that you need to forgive someone, but you might have a uh, storm in you that makes that extremely difficult, and you might not feel comfortable talking about it. I want to remind you that um, Jesus is our great high priest who suffered in every way like us. He suffered every pain, every hurt, and every trauma like us. He faced every emotional letdown, disappointment, cruelty, and malice, and terror so that he could sympathize with you. So, Talk to him about it. Talk to him about it in your heart if you feel uncomfortable. Um, There are many things that I've had to forgive others of. I've had a, I had a very uh, traumatic childhood in which I was both neglected and abused in multiple ways. Um, People have abandoned me and left me to die. My identity has been stolen by a family member and used to rack up debt. Um, I've been lied to, coerced, cheated on, manipulated. I've faced many dark moments in my adolescence and childhood where I wondered why and how and for what reasons I was unloved. And I want to tell you that God has miraculously worked in my life to help me forgive all of those things. And even though I'm still connected to them so emotionally, that's a part of the liberation that I have experienced in the forgiveness that I have extended to others. Before I go on, I want to talk to you about some reasons why you should forgive. So I just made a list and I'm going to talk about them one at a time. First of all, forgiveness sets you free to move on with your life. Some of these things might sound selfishly motivated or cultural at first, but I think that there's a deep spiritual 
truth in this, that forgiveness sets you free to move on with your life. I also experienced a lot of overwhelming hatred and anger and bitterness towards those who uh, abused me as a child. And I went through stages where I wanted vengeance specifically in the form of wanting to punish these people physically or just like doing terrible things to them. My heart was crying out to get even. But another thing that forgiveness does is that it refuses to let the people who have hurt you have any power over your life. See, uh, an aspect of the, the, the issue with seeking vengeance is that vengeance from a human perspective is never properly guided. That's the heart of what it means when God says, vengeance is mine, I shall repay. God's judgment will be perfect. Not just because it totally conquers and vanquishes and destroys the wicked, but more importantly, because God's judgment includes something that we as humans are morally unable to do without the help of God, and that is mercy. God's judgment does not always desire, right? God does not always, God's vengeance can sometimes be withheld by himself because he instead sees something more beautiful, the possibility of redeeming that individual instead of punishing that individual. God loves the people who have hurt me. God loves the people that have hurt you. And ultimately, he wants those people to come to him, to be forgiven by him, so that they can be healed and experience love and redemption and grace extended to them in ways that they don't deserve in the same way that he's done for all of us. Forgiveness really does set you free. It really is quite liberating. I remember the moment, the moment that I surrendered my life to God and I really put my faith in Jesus directly and repented of my sins. It was quite tragic. It was quite um, heavy. I, w I read through the book of Romans and I felt like God, every single word was talking to me. And I felt extremely convicted by God of all the things that I had done to him because of my sin and all the ways that those things offended his holiness and his righteousness and offended how my entire life he had loved me and sought 
that I be with him and free of that sin. And it was from that overwhelming guilt and conviction, which is an extremely vital part of understanding Jesus. If you don't understand your sin, you have no need of salvation. You have no need of a savior. And it was then later that motivation that led me just a a few months down the road to be praying one day and thinking about, I I was praying a prayer of thanksgiving and gratitude. And I was thanking God for all the things that he had done for me. I was being grateful for all the ways that he had forgiven me. And I remember, I remember asking him something along the lines of like, is there anything that you need me to do? Is there, is there anything that um, I can do to, to, to repay you in any way? And the Christian life doesn't always work like that. God doesn't necessarily need, right, in order to be to continue a relationship. He doesn't really need me to do anything. That's the essence of his grace. It's mercy and love that I don't deserve. But he said, I felt a, an overwhelming sense that I needed to forgive those who had um, abused me. And in both the moment of my salvation and in both that moment, I felt uh, the conviction. And then as I surrendered, I felt the liberation, like literal weight off of my chest and off of my mind and off of my heart. Forgiveness opens up your relationship with God. And if there is someone that you are not forgiving or you are withholding forgiveness from, your relationship to God is severely impacted by that. Jesus himself said that if you come to bring your gift to the altar or you come to to pray, go first and be reconciled to those you have done wrong. Then come back and pray. Sometimes you need to be forgiven in order to open up your relationship with God. And forgiving others sets you free to move on with your life in another way because it prevents you from continuing the development of anger, animosity, hatred, revenge, and bitterness that you are continually on a trajectory for and remain miserable because of when you don't forgive. In that way, unforgiveness can be cancerous to you. And this really sucks, but unforgiveness does not hurt the perpetrator. It only hurts you. And this really sucks even more. Most of the time, the people who have hurt us or hurt you don't care. I remember the pain of experiencing that 
when I sought reconciliation with an individual who all of my life had been absolutely terrible to me. And I I said to this person, I just want you to know that I believe that God has forgiven me for all the things that I've ever done to him. And that I have experienced love in an indescribable, inexplicable way that has washed me and cleansed me and given me the ability to forgive anyone of anything. So I want you to know that I forgive you and I want any type of positive relationship that we can have. And this person responded to me, I don't know what I ever did to you to make you hate me so much. And I do not think that I have ever been more hurt in my entire life than hearing those words, than seeing the invalidity of my forgiveness, than seeing the rejection of the deep pains of my heart being processed to a point of wanting reconciliation and to just then be scoffed upon, rejected, and looked at as off. But I'm not responsible for that. In many ways, part of maturity is growing up to realize that you cannot control other people in any way. You can't control their reactions. You can't control their responses. You can't control how they will uh, act. You can't, you can't control how they might receive your attempts at reconciliation. All you can control is yourself. And that's all that you're responsible for. All that you are responsible for in forgiveness is restoring your relationship with God to a right manner and freeing yourself from the motivation of being freed by Jesus to extend mercy. And forgiveness is unjust. Forgiveness is unfair. Forgiveness, a lot of the times, can be a lose scenario. And most of the time it is. Most of the time, the price to having a win scenario from forgiveness, the cost of that is that you have to lose. You have to lose how you expect this person to respond. You have to lose the possibility that this person even wants to see you. You have to lose the the possibility that this person is just going to completely and totally Take ownership for what they did to you. You have to lose them even caring. But you know what? Another portion. It's just a key part of not letting those wrongs hurt you any longer. You do not need an apology 
to forgive someone. In fact, that's manipulative. It's coercive. And it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not always reconciliation. It doesn't take two. I'm sorry, it, it takes two people to reconcile, but only one to forgive. And you, and you might not get that. That might be another thing that you have to let go. Forgiveness also cannot be something that is constituent or requisitive of another's behavior. You cannot, you cannot truly forgive someone and say, hey, okay, I'll forgive you if you stop drinking. I'll forgive you if you stop doing this. I'll forgive you if you stop doing that. That's also manipulative. And it's not authentic forgiveness because it shows that you are not releasing that person from the debt that they owe you. In that situation, you're showing the other person the debt that they owe you, and you're saying, this still needs to be paid. Scripture speaks about forgiveness in two paramount ways. It talks about it through the language of debt, debt being owed and thus just erased. And it talks about forgiveness coming from the perspective of Jesus's work and example. But it's always about the heart. Forgiveness just does not depend on the other person's actions. It's, it's unfair and it's unjust. Jesus did not require that we really ultimately do anything in order to be forgiven. We are saved by Jesus through the simple act of acknowledging our need for him and confessing the faith in his work for us, in his life, his death, and his resurrection, which conquered sin and the bondage to it that we are in. And in Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. That's the example of Jesus. I will say that God does, that part, part of the deal though, salvation is that you come to a place in which you acknowledge that your sin must stop in order to have a relationship with God rightly. You have to be willing to turn away from your sin in totality. God gets to require that though. We don't. I don't get to require that the people who abused me repent. And none of, none of them have. And it's been 10, 10, maybe 12 years. And I really, I'm not even, I don't think that they ever will. But my process of forgiveness is inspired through this great and beautiful way that Jesus extended to me a mercy that I did not deserve. And I am liberated through loving these people despite what they have done to me. I'm not a doormat for forgiving people. And forgiving people does not require you to allow 
the offender to continue to hurt you. Forgiveness does not mean that you just have to keep taking it. You can have space. You can get out of those harmful environments. I think that sometimes Jesus calls us to stay in those harmful environments, sometimes, so that we can be a light of him to this person, of his available love and redemption to them. I think that Jesus stayed in those harmful environments so that he could be an example of available love. He suffered in terrible, tragic, traumatic cruelties so that he could display better his available love to people. Uh, Sometimes forgiveness can leave you psychologically still uncompletely processed. And that's all right. That's all right. Sometimes forgiveness can be this this something that you so desperately want to get off of your chest and just be able to do without working through all the complexities of it. And that's okay too. Sometimes forgiveness cannot be something that you can so easily just get off your chest until you have worked through those things. And that is all right too. What I, what I want to communicate is that forgiveness is a process. And it takes time. And it's okay to approach it in different ways or different perspectives as long as you are trying to go through it. You might not trust people after forgiving them. But forgiveness is about how much you trust God to take care of you. It's experiencing empathy for the offender because of humility about your own sinfulness and gratitude for being forgiven by others. I want to talk now about Act 7 in the forgiveness of Stephen. So what happened before, you know, Nate just jumped into you stiff-necked people is that Stephen was a part of the early church and he had been captured by the authoritative Jews in the area, and they were enraged at the Christians and him because he was telling people about Jesus. And so Stephen began this dialogue of communicating to the Jews their entire history, which was his history, he was Jewish, and he gets to the end where he presents to them how Jesus connects to all of their history. And then that's when he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. And he talks about how they murdered the righteous one, the Messiah. And he says, you who have received the law as delivered by angels didn't even keep it. 
The law was a, a very serious thing to them. It was everything to them. Um, there were many, during this time, there was a school of thought that the law itself was God. The, the rules themselves, more specifically, nuanced, I guess, to communicate that better, is the rules themselves were God. In a way, this is, this is true because Jesus is the embodiment of truth, and Jesus is the embodiment of the word, and Jesus is the word itself. And you can go read John 1 3,000 times if you want to think about that. But Stephen says all of, all of these things to them that, that makes them enraged, furious. It says that they ground their teeth at him, and they started to stone him. And as they're stoning him, Stephen experiences seeing the heavens opened up and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He gets this moment of blissful encouragement. And he says, Behold, I see the heavens up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice and stomped their ears and rushed together at him. Right? So extremely enraged that they just rush upon him. They cast him out of the city and they stone him. And as they were stoning him, Stephen called out and he said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Stephen was known as a man who was full of the Holy Spirit. To know Jesus is to know peace. And you don't know peace unless you know Jesus. The Holy Spirit filling him enabled him to forgive those who were literally murdering him. None of us have ever experienced being literally murdered. And I'm tempted to say, oh, well, how much worse can it get than that? But I know that there are horrible circumstances that you may have faced that you did not deserve and should never have happened. And I know that as someone who has extended forgiveness for trauma faced, there have been many times in my life where I have preferred to be dead than to have to recount the trauma that I have faced or to be motivated to want to die because of the stress and horrors associated with remembering those things. But suffice to say, none of us have ever been 
literally murdered. And I think that it's an incredibly beautiful example of how ultimately we do possess the ability and power to forgive people of what they have done to us and get absolutely nothing out of that exchange. Stephen remembered Jesus' example. Stephen's heart was able to handle and extend this forgiveness because it had been remade, remade by Jesus. He was motivated to forgive others of anything because he knew he was forgiven of everything. The forgiveness we have received from Jesus is the power by which we can forgive anyone of anything. If you know Jesus and have experienced his love and redemption through the unjust forgiveness, the unfair forgiveness that he has extended to you, you can forgive. And if you say that you can't, there is something seriously wrong with your relationship with God. And I know that even that can be so complicated. I know that even saying that can cause people to want to hide or shut down or lock it up or not look in that dark closet or corner. Right? Like, like I said, a, an escape room that's a, a torture chamber emotionally, every room. can seem so impossible to get through. But Stephen understood Jesus' heart. Because Stephen had processed two very key components that are prerequisites to forgiveness. Gratitude and thankfulness. I shared with you about how I did, it was not even on my radar to forgive that, that person or go through that process or begin or even thinking it was necessary until I began that prayer of gratitude and thankfulness. That's the place that Stephen was in, emotionally and psychologically, so that he could forgive those people. And I advise you to go there. And I advise you to deal with this today, to begin this process of forgiveness that just starts with thankfulness and gratitude towards God for all that he has done for you. Just start there. You don't even have to unpack all the things that have happened to you yet. I just want you to start there. And from that, you will see how unjust and unfair the forgiveness you have received is, and how great and awesome and beautiful and wonderful is the love and mercy extended to you through the glorious grace of Jesus. I'm going to share with you um, Matthew 18. It says this. I just want to, I want to read this to you, okay? Jesus said this. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And I'm going to skip down quite a few verses. 
says, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often should my brother be able to wrong me before I stop forgiving him? Seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. In Greek, that is an an irrational number, as in always, not seven times, every time. And Jesus said, therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants, settle the debts that his servants owed him. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, the equivalent of like $16 million today. 16 million, like a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me. Please have patience with me and I will pay you back everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Can you imagine forgiving somebody $16 million? The master was motivated by pity and compassion. rooted in a love and care and concern of the distress that this person was facing. And he said, just forget it. It's all right. It's all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I even brought you here today. Please just go on your way. Don't worry about it. I'll never bring it up again. Can you extend that type of forgiveness? Can you get past your desires for vengeance? Can you get past your, your hatred and your anger and your malice to, to realize that the people who owe you so much debt are indebted themselves in different ways? See, I understand better now those who have hurt me. They're victims in their own ways of their own trauma. We're all messed up, right? I can forgive those who have hurt me because I have also grown to understand that they are just a part of a cycle that I now in my family must stop. Part of a generational thing that they were exposed to. A generational way that they were treated. And I pity them because I wonder if they are liberated. And I just want them to be free of what they owe me.
And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all of his debt. And Jesus said, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. There is a serious, grave consequence for withholding forgiveness. I have asked you, I have tried relating with you, I have tried discussing this from a way that involves compassion, I've tried presenting this in a manner that shows how we are just ultimately in the same bubble as those who owe us these debt, just as affected as them. I have spoken to you about the liberation and freedom available to you and how it's not hurting them by unforgiving them and how you can be released of so many, so many, uh, so much miserableness by forgiving them. And now I want to warn you that Jesus has been very clear about this. There is a serious consequence that you must face and pay if you do not forgive other people from your heart. So I'm coming at you now like this. Jesus is commanding you, not me, Jesus is commanding you to forgive other people. But Jesus still remains precious, right? He's still there full of compassion. He's not just this heavy. He is available. He comprehends. He understands how you feel. He acknowledges that the pain that you went through is unfair. But if you simply pray to him in gratitude and in thankfulness, celebrating in joy and wonder all the things that God has forgiven you, you will not be able to withhold yourself from forgiving it, from extending it. I'm going to close now from just talking about the process of forgiveness, because this is what I'm inviting you into. Forgiveness is a commitment to a promise. It's not a feeling. Um, when, I, when I forgave that person and I extended that forgiveness to that person and then they squandered it and they stepped on it and made me feel worthless and unloved and hated and like trash and like I was just a whatever. I remember Jesus comforting my heart with one word, deeper. God, I had to let it, I had to let it cut deeper so that I could let it forgive, so that I could let that forgiveness show deeper. It was a, it's a commitment to a promise that I'm still going through. My promise is that I will forgive, that I will not hold this person accountable to these things, that I love this person. I want this person redeemed. I want this person to experience the same love and forgiveness that I have. And I commit to not holding this person guilty or accountable to me for the wrongs that they have done to me. And I don't always feel that way. The process of forgiveness involves also recalling the hurt and naming the offenses. 
having some type of, of dialogue with others, perhaps with a counselor, with yourself, with Jesus, where you are just talking about, you're letting it all out. You're talking about all the ways that you have been hurt. Total and complete acknowledgement is letting it all out and not hiding anything. Going through that might be extremely painful. And another step that's involved in that is accepting that it happened to you. And it's not okay, but you accept the full weight of it. Being able to specifically process it allows you to specifically articulate how it makes you feel. And that's important. That's crucial. Um, Part of, you know, something weird that I do in my own head is I tell myself, and this is actually very common, I tell myself, why am I depressed? Why am I sad? Why am I miserable? I have everything that I need. I've got a wonderful wife, a wonderful family. I have, you know, a a nice apartment. Um, I can't hear my neighbors through the walls, and I live in Montreal. Um, You know, my downstairs neighbor cries all the time about my kids, but we're moving soon. We're going to get a basement and just have people on the sides of us, and they'll probably be able to hear us, right? So that's how those things work. I'll just put up insulation everywhere there. I'm sorry. Um, one of the things that I tell myself is, why, why am I not happy? I have everything, every physical thing that I need. I have food, water, shelter, clothing, family, love, nourishment, um, acceptance, belonging, community. I, I, right? like I have all of these things. Why am I not happy? And this, this is a very common feeling for people who in their childhood or adolescence have experienced a lot of neglect. And being able to articulate that helps me understand why I feel those ways. And before I was able to specifically articulate that, in retrospect, I realized that I would just go back to blaming all my problems on the trauma that I faced as a child. I had, like my subconscious was connecting it for me, but I couldn't rationalize it. So being able to specifically articulate how, how all that pain makes you feel is an important part of the process of being able to let it go. And then, and this is probably the hardest thing, right? Um, you have to be able to imagine what you want that person to say or how in a perfect world that person would respond, the debt that they owe or what, what you would expect to get from them and extending the forgiveness to them. And then you have to do something that's very, very difficult and requires a miracle of the Holy Spirit. You have to get over that. You have to let that go. You have to release the forced obligation of another person making right the wrongs that they have done to you. And you just have to be liberated through extending mercy and love to them even though they don't deserve it. They don't owe you anything. 
No debt. No apology. They don't know you getting their crap together. We should stop forcing people to apologize to us, especially when it could cause them to be inauthentic. It's manipulative to say that you can't forgive until someone apologizes. And sympathy understands that these people who hurt us oftentimes, right, don't care, like I said, but are also quite bitter and experiencing a lot of pain in their own ways. So just commit to forgive and to hold fast to it when it becomes difficult because forgiveness is a promise. It's not a feeling. As we go into groups today, we're, we're not doing open mic format. We're doing groups because we want you to be able, I think that there will be a time to come forward if you want to share anything with the church that's on your heart that you think would be encouraging or bring love, or joy. But we're going to go into groups, and um, I would ask you to discuss these things in your groups. Uh, and Evan is going to repeat these, but I want to say a few things about them. Is there anyone that you're not forgiving? Is there anyone that you need to forgive? Is there anyone that you need to apologize to? Do you need to be forgiven? Especially if there is someone in the church that you need to be reconciled to, you must do that. The church is not a place of unforgiveness. Forgiveness is very peculiarly Christian. And I would, I would advise you as someone who has trust issues, I understand this, right? I would advise you that if today your heart is stirred to process forgiveness and you want to talk to someone about that and you would like to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one about that, that's okay. Go, go and talk to that specific person that you think can help you process that. If you feel uncomfortable in your group, seek out a situation in which you can be comfortable to process these things. Don't let that be a hindrance. So that's what I had to share with you today. And I want to pray for you now. God, you know, I feel so many ways. And I know that there are many in this room who feel also likewise in so many ways and have so many things running through their head, so many complicated pathways, so many seemingly unnavigatable roots in their, in their brains, so many hesitancies or problems or smoke screens or shutdowns, all these barricades that we build up to not want to forgive because we think that holding Withholding forgiveness uh, protects us, but it doesn't. It just makes us more enslaved. 
Jesus, I pray that you would move through your Holy Spirit to put your peace and love and compassion on these people so that they can forgive. Help their hearts. Help those who have experienced forgiveness be able to share and encourage each other today and help anyone who needs to give forgiveness help them begin the process of that today. So many things can happen just by prayer, Lord. And I pray that if anyone is here who just feels really uncomfortable talking with somebody else about it, I pray, Lord, that you would release them from the stress and anxiety of that and that you would just help them know that you are available to listen and that there is help available to them at the church. Yeah, I just pray that you'll help people's hearts truly forgive today and begin the process of it. In Jesus' name, amen.